Welcome to Midrange Podcast, episode number seven. I'm KP. This is DJ. And we're going to give you our three takes for Sunday night. And we're going to recap the Mavs and the Lakers game that transpired on Friday night. The 0-2 thriller that showcased Luka, LeBron, AD, and Christoph Porzingis. Uh fitting to the way the game started and the way the game ended. Uh, what are your takes on how this game went from start to finish? Um, To start, <clears throat> definitely say the second unit of uh, Dallas outplayed um, the Lakers. Just Boban had an impact early. He had an impact early because uh, he was giving Dwight some problems. I know Dwight is a bigger guy, but you know he had seven rebounds, uh, Marjanovic. And uh, seemed to be playing a bit of an impact on offensive glass um, early once that second unit came in. You know, obviously the Lakers were down to, to start the game, but um, I liked what I saw from LeBron. You know, he was active defensively. He was off from three to start the game. You know, kind of picked that up throughout uh, the game, started to get his rhythm back and looking like his old self. But, uh, you know, Dallas got a good second unit. Um, Porzingis got to play both halves. I think that was a big thing for me. He was really good early and then late. He didn't really have any influence on the game defensively or offensively. And um, the Lakers, their, their bench seems to play in spurts. I know Caruso was good in the third quarter. Kuzma was out of sync. You know, you expect that for, for a guy who's been out for a lot of time. But... I liked what I saw from uh, the Lakers. I thought they did a good job readjusting uh, when they, when halftime came and also between the third and the fourth quarter. Yeah, that game was uh, quite interesting. It kind of reminded me of uh, when the Mavericks played the Portland Trailblazers. That bench play from Dallas was extraordinary with guys, I believe, coming in double, fig- double figures with all of their, uh, their bench squad in that game which was productive for them, but they were unable to close it out like they were unable to close out this game here. So uh, Luca, a prime example of doesn't matter where you start, it's where you finish. Uh, Real Madrid, 13 years old, left, started playing pro, playing against men, came in the NBA. You know, he had 31, 13 rebounds, 15 assists, uh, one block, going up against LeBron James, running that point four position, 39 points, 12 rebounds, 16 assists, four steals, you know, making players around him better. A lot of people were speculating about how him and AD would correlate and play, but, you know, Davis shooting 15 for 28 from the floor, 31 points, eight rebounds, two assists. Didn't really find his three ball that much. Gave you two steals and two blocks. But overall, you know, Avery Bradley's playing exceptional on both ends of the floor. He doesn't really shoot that well, but he's maintaining his defensive uh, prowess around there. Danny Green is doing what he's supposed to do. Hitting open shots, grabbing rebounds, getting his steals as well, too. He had three, uh, sorry, two steals. He had uh, 11 points, five rebounds. So, sorry, 14 points, one rebound. One assist. That was Avery Bradley with the 11 points, five rebounds, and two assists. So, like you said, 
Borzov's pro the unicorn because I I'm not even trying to butcher that uh, name like I would Giannis Antetokounmpo. But uh, you know he was productive in the first half, came out on fire, did what he needed to do. But you know down the stretch in the second half he finished with 16 points. I believe he had 12 at half. So for the second half he was non-existent. He wasn't a factor. And in order for Dallas to maintain that level of excellence on offense, he's got to be playing at that same level with Porzingis. I mean, with Luca, give him some time. You let him find his legs. He's been out for what a year and a half, yeah. sitting on the bench, kind of going through the motions. So, uh, in time, I see that team being a problem for a lot of uh, teams in that West, oh, yeah. due to the fact of the two people we just mentioned with Luca and the Unicorn, and also their bench play. Brunson, um, yeah, Wright coming off from the Raptors, who got traded on that side. Um, throw me out another name over here, because I'm- uh, Oh, you got Brunson, Maxi Cleaver. Yep. You know, Hardaway. Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing as well, too. They, they tend to not turn over the ball, rebound well as a unit, and, a, and they have a great bench. So if their starters can, you know, stay within the game and their second unit can, you know, kind of give them that extra edge to push forward, they're going to be a problem. You said you see them as what seed in the West? Uh, about a 6-7 seed. Uh, see them being at back half of that spot, uh, sorry, playoff spot, uh, one of those bottom three. Um, definitely ways to go for KP. I know, like you said, he's been out for nearly two years. Um, didn't really show me a lot in the second half. That was promising. Kind of looked out of rhythm, out of sorts. Couple bad turnovers late. Went three or six from the line. But yeah, I, I like their team. I, I like Brunson and Luca. I know Brunson didn't have the best game, but they complement each other well. Uh, defensively, Brunson does play a, a bigger role in his size. I know people were kind of not too hot. They weren't too high on him coming out of Villanova because he has a more of like an old school point guard, like 90s point guard, like a Jamal Tinsley-like game or one of those guys, you know, early 2000s where they can post up and create as well. But to me, I, I think this team's up and coming. It depends on the health of guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. But outside of him, I think they still have enough to get in that uh, playoff spot. It's just... Um, Who's going to be the answer at the wing? Uh, you know, Finney Smith's been good for them, but they need, to, to me, they need another wing uh, outside of maybe Hardaway just because he has uh, had injury issues in the past. So it's kind of intriguing to see where this team's going. I like I like where they're heading otherwise, though. But either way, if you didn't check that game, try to find that game, went at OT. Uh, LeBron, despite being the age he is, and a lot of people writing him off and saying he... There's certain things he can and cannot do. He seems to be proving people wrong on every aspect of life. So if you're a hater, you'll always be one. If you're a doubter, you'll always be one. It's you either like the dude for what he's doing now because he's been doing it and you've acknowledged him doing it from the time he got into the league, or you've been one of those guys that don't like what he's doing, but can also acknowledge that he's being a productive guy at position he is mm. despite of all the hoop love you know he's not this he's not that he is the best power forward slash point guard slash i can guard your center slash i can give you a triple double 
slash I will chase you down on a rebound. Slash, I could keep going on. Yeah. There's so many aspects of his game that people want to overlook and just want to talk about what he, he can't do because he's not a killer with scoring. Well, he doesn't need to average all those points because he's a facilitator. He's been like that since day one. So that to me was the most surprising thing out of the game because, you know, going up against Luca, young legs, the kind of a guy who is a triple-double walking just like he is, you know, he couldn't find a shot in the first half and then in the second half he kind of took over the game and Fast is coming out and hitting threes right out the get-go and got himself inserted quick and mm -hmm. he, he was a problem going forward. So, For sure. you know, it's going to be a tough, tough test for the Dallas Mavericks going forward and the Lakers as well too but you know we touched on this one game Lakers and Mavs OT winner 119-110 it was re relatively close throughout Mavericks kind of had a 10 to 10 point lead at halftime and looked like they were going to take the game over in the third but just like Dallas and Portland when you thought Dallas was going to you know beat out Portland they don't know how to close out. And until they find out how to close out, and like uh, DJ said about getting someone on the wing to actually play the perimeter, might actually help them guard those guys out there. But until that does happen, I see them as a six seed, a six or seven seed in the West as well too. You know, we're gonna touch on the Rockets and Heat. Uh, Rockets are very up and down right now. This is a Sunday night game, it's our take three. First up is the Rockets and the Heat. You know, a lot of people were talking about how Houston would work with James Harden and Westbrook, and it seems that Harden uh, is kind of the outside man, and Westbrook has kind of fitted in a lot easier. He's shooting the ball real well. He's not really forcing as much, and James Harden seems to be uh, shooting a lot less of a percentage from the the floor, but, bad. but getting to the foul line about 15 to 16 times a game where he gets most of his points. So they're up against the Heat right now who uh, who've come out on a different level of life in the East. A lot of people thought that Jimmy Butler going over there wasn't going to be a good thing for Jimmy Butler, but they've been balling out. A lot of guys on that team that have been balling out, you probably haven't even heard of. Mm -hmm. And that's... Credit to Pat Riley, Spoltra for getting those guys buying into his system and his schemes. But, you know, they got a lot of guys out here with the Kendrick Nunn, undrafted player, balling out of his mind, dropped 28 up against Atlanta on Thursday, was 10 from 15 from the floor, 4 for 4 from the free throw line, 4 for 6 from the three-point line. You got Hero as well, too. Uh, 17 points, rookie. Two guys that, you know, you don't expect to carry the weight, but they're actually doing their jobs on the perimeter and scoring. Uh, I see... I want to go Atlanta in this game. Sorry, I mean, sorry. I want to go Miami in this game. My apologies. I want to go Miami because I feel like those pieces fit together a lot easier than Houston. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm kind of a, it's kind of a coin flip for me just because, like you said, Harden has been getting a lot of his points from the line. I think obviously the league is, they've said every offseason we'll look at, you know, some of the calls he gets and 
obviously him manipulating the rules and looking to get a lot of and one two three. Um, to me, I just to me, I, I don't know how sustainable their offense is. I don't trust Dan Tony like you had mentioned earlier. Just the offense. I think him just dribbling, 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 dribble, 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 like as uh, Barkley says, you know, it's literally, it's literally all he does a lot of the times because um, um, he does. I think he has a lot more aspects to his game that he's been able to show. I think maybe some of it's on him, but at the end of the day, D'Antoni's the one calling the shots on offense. At least it seems to be that way. And everybody's labeled him as an offensive guru. And yeah, he has been innovative, but at the same time, I feel like as much as Harden has underperformed, I think a lot falls on him and getting guys like Eric Gordon involved. He's been really bad this season. You know, I think mean, he had, he went 0 of 7 against yeah. Brooklyn last night. Couldn't hit a shot. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't hit, couldn't hit the side of a barn, man. He was, he was terrible. And he's been bad all year. Um, Westbrook's actually been uh, proving the naysayers wrong. He had a near triple double against Brooklyn. So he's done his part. It's just, to me, uh, I just think Miami has enough to throw at them offensively. And also Jimmy Butler, you still have him on the wing controlling um, a Harden. So to me, I think the X factor in this game for Houston is Westbrook in terms of what he does offensively to take the load off of Harden and also how he's going to get the other guys involved. I know he's kind of his thing with the triple doubles. He, he tries to do everything on the floor. He feels like that's what he does to help his team win. And I just think... A guy like him, he's got to do what he has to to get guys like Eric Gordon involved. Because if this team wants to get over that hump, there's no Golden State anymore. You know, they, that's been their Achilles heel. And yeah, I just, I think Miami's just, they're in a good spot right now. They got the wings and they got the young talent. Bam Adebayo versus Clint Capella would be a really good matchup. Interesting. But uh, yeah, I see Miami... Uh, coming away with this one probably by about seven because uh, I, I don't know if Harden's going to shake the, the bug from the field. It's just, it's not like too promising. I know he had the 59 the other night, but to yeah. your point, it, a lot of his damage coming from the line. Yeah, he had 59 in the that matchup to Washington. Washington, 159-158. No defense was ever played. I think they scored 48 and 41 respectively in that uh, fourth quarter, so that was pretty interesting on that note. Like you said, I don't see the Rockets doing that much damage to the Heat unless they get their stuff in order. They start working as a team. Eric Gordon hasn't really been productive on hitting those wide open three point shots that he normally does off of the draw and kick that Harden possesses. So there's a lot of things that these guys need to do in order to be that same team in the West that they were when Golden State had the four headed monster. They were doing their thing and they were being productive on that end. Uh, you have the Heat by seven. I say it might be a little bit closer depending on Westbrook. Uh, it might be a four or five point game if they can actually get a consistent game from James Harden, from Eric Gordon, because everybody else that they've plugged into that team has been uh, been on point, been doing what they're doing. Westbrook, like you said, near triple-double he's averaging. 
Uh, he's beat, he had a great game against um, his old former team, OKC. Yeah. He came out there and balled out. So uh, they should be a better team than they are. Right now they're sitting, I believe, seventh in the West with a 3-2 and two record. They had that horrible loss to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis being out the entire game, first half, and fouling out in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. a game they should have won. Harvin's Harden averaging 36 a game this year, 37, eight assists and four rebounds. So overall, pace of play is roughly the same. Uh, you have Houston going at one, 109 a game uh, compared to 105. Field goal percentage, you know, Heat are shooting a lot better. Threes attempted are 13. You have 15 with Golden State, but three, the three-point field goal percentage, 39 for Miami and 31 for the Houston Rockets. So Houston Rockets are tied for 25th in the entire organization, and you have the Heat that are third overall. And a team that loves to shoot threes 50 a game sometimes, should man. not be shooting that poorly from the three-point line percentage-wise. But their free throws, they're seventh in the league compared to twenty uh, fourth with an eighty one and a half percentage. So should be an interesting game. I do have the Heat winning because of the lack of team uh, chemistry uh, from the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. Next up, we got Utah at the Los Angeles Clippers. Now this game is kind of interesting to me. Utah was predicted by most to be at the top of the West. They're sitting at four and two. Clippers are sitting at four and two. Uh, Shout out to Phoenix, man. Not really, yeah, not really anything surprising as opposed to who's leading Utah in scoring this year so far. Is not Spider. It is Boyan. Boyd Donovich. No, he's no Donovan's leading. I think you uh, misspoke there. I'm just looking at the. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, sorry. I should re- correct myself, but it's it's a factor that I don't see. <clears throat> His point production is down because he's not running the point, and you got um, Conley. Conley from Memphis, kind of figuring out the system, figuring out the schemes. He hasn't been really shooting as much as he should. Yeah. As his production is not as as it was in Memphis, so I don't know who to pick on this game to tell you the truth, because the Clippers played good, and then sometimes they just can't score. Sometimes they can <laughs> score and play defense. It all varies to me. But uh, what are your takes on this game? Um, I think maybe it'll be a, a pretty good game defensively. I, you know, Utah is a top ten defensive team. I see the Clippers finishing top, top of the league, if if not, maybe top three in the league. I think them and the Lakers are two of the top, maybe five teams in the in the West or the, the league period in terms of defense. But um, you know, last time we got matched up in Utah, Kawhi had sat out on that load management, which a lot of people were feeling ways about. I know it was a national nationally televised game. No, I was a little disappointed in myself. I know they had a back-to-back, but 
him being quote unquote the best player in the league to a lot of folks now. And to me, I, I just didn't like it just because, you know, if he's supposed to be healthy, let him play. You know, he's he's only 27, so I don't understand why they're monitoring his minutes. Maybe we they know something that the public doesn't know, but um, they're trying to they're trying to get the same recipe they had in Toronto in the West. Yeah, right? exactly. But yeah, like you said earlier, like you can't do that in the in the West, man. There's just there's too many teams uh, out there just to let a guy rest. I know the East <clears throat> for a lot of years is a lot of developmental teams, a lot of teams experimenting real young, so you can get away resting against in Atlanta as comparison to a Utah or even. I know Sacramento hasn't had the best year. I know they beat Utah last night, but you know, there's teams out there that, that they can pose a threat to you. So um, to me, I'm just intrigued to see who matches up with Kawhi, um, just because Bogdanovich is a good three and D guy, but he, to me, he hasn't really been too productive in this um, system just because he's trying to figure things out. So they have him and they got uh, White on the wing. But um, and Joe Ingles as well. But to me, I think Kawhi is definitely gonna have a big night. I could see him having about 30 points in this game. And even the Clipper bench to me is just, it's too much. I, I, Utah just looking on their bench. I don't know who they would really rely on for consistent output just because they do have a good six or seven, but once you start going down that roster, I don't know who to trust. So I, I see the Clippers Coming out on top, I think Lou Will and Montrez will definitely have an impact on this game as always. And yeah, I think it will be a good game, but I see the Clippers probably prevailing by about five points. Yeah, I can see that happening. Like you said, they're both uh, great defenders on both sides, on the Utah and the Clippers. Mitchell is the leading scorer with 24. I, I do apologize for that. Uh, Bojdanovic is at 20 so he's the their second best scorer rudy gobert is averaging 10 conley 13 four assists two rebounds but he's not really shooting the ball as well as he used to and i i i see him as kind of trying to take over the team but with donovan mitchell running the point and usually the focal point of that offense they're gonna have to come to a way of uh getting that chemistry going i the size advantage could go towards the Utah Jazz with Rudy Gobert in the middle, yeah. but I don't see them being able to withstand that punch off that bench that uh, the Clippers possess. They have Montrell Harris and Lou Williams sharing the same brain. Somehow those guys know where each other are on the floor. Montrez, my, my bad, my bad, Montrez. It's spelled Montrell, but they pronounce Montrez. But uh, they have the same, they have the same brain and do what they got to do. So. It should be interesting to see. I do have the Clippers. They are they haven't lost a, a home game. Please, LA Clippers, for the stop with that Brooklyn Nets background black and white court and wear the proper jersey to yep. go along with that court. If you're gonna get rid of the Clipper logo and the red, white, and blue, and go with the the white and black with the with that writing that goes with it. I don't even know what kind of... San Andreas. Yeah. Have to, like GTA if, might have to sue or something. If man. you're going to pump that, push the jersey. Please push the jerseys. The court doesn't look right with those regular Clippers jerseys. Oh, yeah. Make a statement. It's driving me nuts watching you guys play, even though despite the fact uh, you probably come out of the West or be in the top tier of the two or three teams to make it out there. So 
used to, I, I, I don't know, I'd say the Clippers beat them by at least 10. Think so? Yeah, I think they're gonna come out by 10. I think just that second unit alone, they, they're not able to sustain the Clippers run. So it's gonna be difficult for them to <clears throat> mix and match up their lineups and see if they can actually stay within, you know, a closing range going forward. But I got the Clippers on this one by 10. How about you? Yeah, I'd probably say by five. I, I just think Utah has enough defensively, but even look at their bench, kind of making me skeptical about my pick, but I'll stick with it. Um, sure. You know, they got Jeff Green, uh, Moutier, and Ingles come off the bench right now. You know, Ingles can spot you 20 points depending on how his three ball is looking, but, you know, Jeff Green's been a guy that's bounced around the league, good sixth, seventh guy off your like on your roster, but the problem is he's been on a lot of teams that haven't really done much. I know OKC, people had thought he was gonna be a, a star. I know he had the heart issues and bounced back from that, but he, he's not a guy kind of look at as, oh, he should be my leading uh, shot taker off the bench. He just hasn't proven that. I know he can have the games, but to me, I just don't think Utah has enough just to, to match the Clippers depth. Well, the defensive ratings are, are, you, you, you talk about that. I think Utah has the better better defensive rating, but overall skill wise and skill set on both aspects of second unit, first unit, I'd have to take the Clippers over that until the guys that you just mentioned are actually coming off that bench, being productive, and yeah. staying in that little uh, second run that they'll do. So <clears throat> Clippers by ten at home. You got the Clippers by five at home, and. Last but not least, we got the Lakers versus the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio. Both teams four and one, a surprising four and one. It'd be a good matchup to see Anthony Davis against LaMarcus Aldridge and the way Pop can mix and match his lineup. You know, Spurs are relatively always consistent on the way they play. Uh, you can't really sleep on them or even sleep during that game because They'll find a way to mix and match, switch up the lineup, and next thing you know, they're up 10 after being down 15. Mm -hmm. So they can flip the switch real easy. Uh, who do you got in this matchup, and what do you like seeing? Um, For me, I think it's just going to be a good game overall. Um, Clippers did play the Spurs, and also the uh, Warriors have played them the last couple of games. And, um, you know, Kawhi did give... Um, did give uh, the Spurs a lot of problems, uh, like he does with a lot of guys. So I, I could see LeBron being in for a big night, depending on where his shot is. Um, also, uh, just looking at their front court, you know, they go really small. They got uh, Trey Lyles there. He had 14 rebounds against the Warriors, no points. So I guess he was watching some Rodman tape before the game. I know he's been a guy who's talked. They talked about his skill set, but they have Patty Mills coming with 31. So um, I think this will be a good game, but I I, I see uh, I see the Spurs winning just because, like you said, you know everybody pays homage to Pop. You know that play that the uh, Lakers ran that hammer set, where of course Dwight kind of got a little bit of a hug on Seth Curry. You know, channeling his inner Draymond and Bogut for those uh, Warriors runs uh, to get those guys looks, but. You know, the Spurs, to me, I just think they they have a pretty good bench. I know they don't really have, like, big names outside of, uh, like, Rudy Gay. He's been a guy who, like Jeff Green, is a good young prospect. 
He he'd been a borderline all-star, but obviously in the lowly West, he didn't really get any shots at appearance. Kind of bounced around Toronto, didn't really work out there. So, but he's still giving you about 13 points off the bench. And um, to me, the Lakers bench, I just to me, it's who steps up. Caruso did have a good fourth quarter, but who who's gonna show up? Is gonna be Quinn Cook. You know, KCP. We're still waiting on him to show up. He he was good against. I think it might have been Charlotte. He had 10 points, but otherwise, he just fouls a lot. Doesn't really hit shots. The, the two things he's supposed to be doing is being a defensive threat on the wing and being a sniper. But I just see San Antonio's bench is outplaying uh, LA. I'm just intrigued to see how Vogel kind of spots the minutes with LeBron and uh, AD, just because I think one of them is going to have to be on the floor for crucial, crucial uh, stretches because. You know, that swing happens when that bench comes in. You know, you only have so many timeouts, so you're going to have to have another game manager on the floor, whether it's LeBron setting guys up or him or AD getting post-ups. Whatever it is, they they just have to... I, if they keep it close, I think it could be a Laker, uh, another Laker victory stolen away like they did in Dallas. But to me, I just think the Spurs, they come out on top. I, I think this will be... Pretty good game. I think the Spurs win by about eight, though, just because they're real good at home, and that bench, man, can't sleep on Patty Mills. Yeah, the bench is intriguing if you look at the names. Patty Mills, Bellinelli, uh, Porto, Rudy Gay, even Damari Carroll's on that bench as well, too. And they like to spread you real thin and stretch the floor. And the way the Lakers are set up on their bench, they're very big, pick-and-roll-based so a lot of those guys are going to have to play that perimeter and defend those guys as they stretch them out and kind of find the openings as they cut. But if the first unit can withstand, I know Mars having a good year as well, too, as always. I believe he might be in a contract year. Yeah, so he's that other extension, man, yeah. that second big bag. So he wants, he may want to be looking to play out, you know, from Compton and so on and so forth. So he, he's liking where he is now in San Antonio. He's He's putting up his numbers and being productive over there. But that AD matchup is, is vital as well, too, because mm -hmm. LaMarcus likes to pick and pop and play that low post, foul line extended and baseline extended type uh, turnaround and go. But if he has to guard AD and if AD's finding his three-point shot from the outside, it might be a difficult match, but the bench is going to be vital, like you said. Uh, the Lakers bench, I don't know what what's going on with uh, the, the foul board over there with K KCP. KCP just doing what he, he normally does. He fouls, yet he still plays good as a good defender, but he's not a guy to knock down some shots. He was one for five in Dallas. He, he finished with two points. He had more fouls than he actually did points. So the San Antonio's bench would give them a threat. I do see what you're saying about San Antonio winning this game. Um, but it might be a different feel going forward. They just had a big overtime win against Dallas. Uh, San Antonio's coming off that easy win against Golden State, which a lot of teams are going to find oh, yeah. a lot of easy wins against Golden State with Curry being down with the, the broken left wrist gone for three months. And Minimum. If he comes back, for what purpose? Unless they're contending. But there's really nobody on that team besides Draymond that you know about. Maybe D'Lo, but even him. I'm, I'm talking the yeah. champion. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Even him, like he hasn't, like to your point, he hasn't had any 
he's had that playoff run, but obviously, like you said, he's put up the numbers, but how many wins are you going to get with him as your best player, especially with having no help? Yeah, there's nobody on the perimeter to play defense for them. They're up and down. They run a lot. They shoot a lot, but they're predicated on their defensive expertise. A lot of people might not see that when Golden State played because they were just dropping buckets, but they actually made stops and they'd make runs and they'd be up by 30. So whoever's playing them now, you know, that used to be a hard, tough team to play against, but with all the injuries and all the people vacated from there, it's it might be a tough year. So uh, San Antonio had the easier route that way, but I'm going to go Lakers just for the fact that LeBron usually plays good against Pop's teams and they got a lot of uh, relationship there. And I just feel like the Lakers may be coming too. Uh, I think LeBron sees where he needs to go. He's not trying to force anymore. He's kind of playing within the offense and he's slowly finding his offense, but he's finding everybody else first before he starts scoring. So a lot of people thought he wouldn't be able to dial back and wouldn't be able to do that. And, it was going to be me, 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 but he's showing you that I, I'm I'm more than what you guys think I am. He's playing that point forward position exceptionally well, and with a guy like AD, and you got Dwight playing beside him sometimes, JaVel not really seeing heavy minutes down the stretch, but is productive off the get-go from the tip. So, you know, Kuzma might, or I think he will show up for this game. Yeah, it depends what, he's, what type of uh, rhythm he has, because... I think it's either, like you said, is it going to be Kuzma who steps up? You know, he's probably going to be on a minutes restriction, but maybe LA will kind of realize, okay, front office may look at, hey, we need a guy off this bench to kind of give us something. So, all right, it could go either way, but I still, still going to say that San Antonio prevails in this one. All right, I'm going LA. You going to San Antonio? You saying San Antonio by how much? Oh, I say by about ten. I'll Ooh, go by about ten. Right. I think it'll be uh, San Antonio. Just always finds a way to close. Um, you got a good offensive guru and just all around probably the best coach of all time. You know, he's always adjusted to the eras of the basketball. One in every decade he's coaching. So I, I just see, um, I just see the the coaching being a, a factor and obviously the bench. That's just the two biggest things for me. Yeah, those two are the main main focal points going forward for most teams. Uh, look at the Houston we talked about uh, versus the Heat with their bench and their coaching and all the question marks that come along with that team. So uh, I would take the Lakers. If they're going to win in San Antonio, it's got to be a close game. It's got to come down to the wire. Just like in Dallas, I'd expect the same atmosphere. Maybe not the OT, but Lakers winning by under five points. So we got the Heat over... The Houston Rockets, we got Clippers over Utah. Yeah. You said that. You going San Antonio. Yeah, by 10. By 10 over the Lakers. I'm taking the Lakers by winning by five points and under. That's our take three for Sunday. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Mid-range podcast. I'm KP. And this is DJ. And we're out, and we'll see you next time.